Good morning. Welcome again to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We're so glad to have every single one of you guys here this morning. Um, I, I actually want to share something out. Of, this is actually, I know it looks like a phone. It's my Bible. Anybody else got that thing going on with me? I want to share something with you this morning. Uh, just, it, it's not on the slides, so Anita, just relax. Uh, and this, this is just from this morning, my personal devotions this morning. This popped out and it just went so well, I, I changed my intro. So this is uh, Jeremiah 17. God says, cursed is the one. Having trouble with my phone here. Let me try this again. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Next time I won't use technology, I'll print that thing out. <laughs> Give me just a sec. We'll get there. It's going to happen. All right. <clears throat> this whole summer, what we're talking about is how to tell the story, not just with our words, but with our lives. The story, of course, is the gospel itself. It's the message of Jesus becoming the highest authority in all of creation and then sending us out to spread the good news. It's, it's about us living in the act three of the big story that is all of history. And what, where we are right now is we're the ones who are spreading and building the kingdom of God, getting ready for his return. But how do you share that story? You pray for it. You, you, you take the opportunities that you get, that God gives you to share it with words. But most importantly, you live it. You experience it. And the more we experience it, the more we, we can't help but share what we're experiencing. That's just how we're wired. We love to share the movies we've seen or the, the, the books we've read or the ball games we've watched or anything else. That's how, how we're wired. And when we live it, when we live it, it, it makes it easier. And it also, it gives us credibility because nobody's ever going to follow us somewhere we're not going ourselves. So this whole summer, uh, I know everybody's been in and out, in and out, and as, that's how summers go, and it's cool. But just so you know, here's what we're doing. We are walking through how to tell the story in several different specific situations. Things that happen with places in our lives where we find ourselves, we all find ourselves in these places. How do we live out the story in those places? How do, we, how do we, in those situations, actually live the way Christ has told us? We looked at several this morning. We're going to, how do you tell the story when you can't trust? There's always going to be some people that you trust, and there's always going to be some people who let you down. Most of them are the same people. Have you noticed that? And, and no matter who you are and, and how wonderful the people are around you, you are going to fail them at some point. They're going to fail you. That's not really what I'm talking about, but that does apply here. What I'm talking about is there, there really is a thing where we tend to trust people. We tend to trust scientific experts or, or just news people or 
our friends or somebody at work or some random thing we saw on an internet post or something like that more than God himself sometimes. And that's just a ridiculous way to think. It's a ridiculous way to put, it's a ridiculous thing to put everything else above God and say that we put God above everything else. But here, here, here's where it's going because we're going to get really practical today and that this is where it's really going is this. The people who are closest to you are always going to affect you more than anybody else. And no matter how much God blesses you and you are able to affect a lot of people, no matter how much the ripples of your obedience to God spread out, maybe even worldwide, the people closest to you are going to be affected by your success and your failures more than anybody else. We've got to be able to focus on that so that we can make that happen in their lives. We've got to be trustworthy and we've got to know how to handle it when they are not. That's a hard place to be, but that's where it is. How, how many have ever heard this, this phrase, trust issues? Is this part of your lingo? Uh, I, I've heard that a lot lately, and I, I, I understand. But people say, you know, well, I've I, I just been through this and this and this, and now I have trust issues. Let me tell you something. All of us have trust issues. All of us do. And so this morning we're going to explore what God says about that. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's sometimes a dangerous thing. To, to bank, to trust in your trust issues as your go-to way to handle life is really dangerous and harmful. But it's not, if you have trouble trusting, that means you're a human being. That's, that's just how it is. And there are some situations, there are some people, some, some things that we really should not put our trust in. And ultimately, we've got to be able to put our trust in God. I'm going to be sharing from uh, several stories today, one of which comes from Don Richardson's book, The Lords of the Earth. And uh, Kathy's got a copy of it right out there. I think we have a second copy in the library if this interests you. would love for you to check that out. It's a wonderful story. But it tells the story of how God was able to reach a group of people called the Yali. The Yali were incredibly physically small people. The tallest of them was about five feet tall. They were even more isolated. They lived in, still today, they live in the mountains of Irian Jaya, which is the left side of the island I grew up on. Papua New Guinea is the right side of the island, and the left side is Irian Jaya. But they were incredibly isolated, physically very small, and yet here's how they saw themselves and portrayed themselves to everyone else around them. They called themselves the lords of the earth. And they demanded the respect of the people all around them. And, and if you call fear respect, they got it. But fear and respect are not exactly the same thing. But here's what people could trust would happen if they went anywhere near the Yali. They would be killed and they would be eaten. And whatever was not eaten would be completely obliterated and destroyed because they thought if they didn't do that, maybe you could come back and fight them again. What people didn't know is they lived not in the seeming arrogance and anger so much as they lived in fear. They were absolutely terrified of the, the evil spirits that they worshipped. They were absolutely terrified of each other. They weren't, because of the way their system worked, they couldn't trust each other at all. They couldn't trust anyone at all. And so they lived in constant fear and this, this anger, this animosity, this relentless um, predatory kind of way of living was actually coming out of that. They were considered not only some of the most unreached people, but some of the most unreachable people even by the most dedicated missionaries of the day. People were like, well, people were not going to be able to ever get the Yali. 
We'll come back to their story in just a few minutes. But first, I, I, I need to just reassure you that just like these missionaries who are trying to reach out to the Yali, there are people in there, you're going to meet people in your life that you cannot trust. You, you can kind of expect that bad things will happen if you put yourself in a situation where they have a lot of control. That's not always the bad idea. Somebody needed to reach them. Somebody did reach them. And there are times when you kind of have to go against logic, go against what makes sense to do the right thing and to trust someone or to show love to someone anyway. But there are going to be times when you just can't trust someone. That's just a reality of life. So we're going to look at four things that we have to do as Christians. This is what we do, bare minimum, when we can't trust. Number one, you can still be trustworthy. You can concentrate on what you are supposed to do. You can be trustworthy even if people don't trust you, even if you can't trust them. This is part of what Jesus was saying when he said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you and love one another as I have loved you. Do to, one, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you and love one another as I have loved you. Again, trying to make this as practical as possible, I'm going to give you one tip. That if you can live this out as you're trying to be trustworthy, and if you can kind of just kind of have your, your guard up just a little bit as, as you know who you can trust the most, this would really help. I'd like you to say this with me out loud together, the thing that's going to be on the screen right next. It says this, trustworthy people do not gossip or slander. Would you say that with me? Trustworthy people do not gossip or slander. Let's say that again. Trustworthy people do not gossip or slander. This is not a judgment against anyone who's ever done this. This is a statement of truth about if we're going to be trustworthy, we've got to live by this. Gossip and slander on every single list of sins the Bible gives us. Right there next to any other sin you think is so despicable and so absolutely we can't go there. Those ones are there too. Okay? We, can't, we have to take this seriously. And trustworthy people do not gossip or slander. Here's something you should know. If somebody comes up to you and tries to tell you something bad about someone else, they may be telling the truth, they may not. They may mean it well. They really might, or they may not. But here's the only thing you know for sure. You're talking to someone who talks behind other people's backs in a negative way. That's the only thing you know absolutely for sure in that moment, because they're doing it right then. There's a movie called What About Bob? Anybody ever seen that? One of the, it's a funny movie. One of the recurring jokes, it bothers me because there's profanity in it. But what's funny is, this is what I want to point out to you. There's this lady that keeps yelling out this one terrible thing. And every time she yells it out, her husband goes, she never says that. Yes, she does. <laughs> she says it like over and over the whole way through the movie. And, and if anybody ever comes up to you and says, now I don't like to talk behind people's back, but you should stop them right there. Because trustworthy people don't gossip or slander. The people of God, this is again, not a judgment on anybody else. This is just the truth. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18 is so clear. If, some, if you have a problem with someone, you go to them. If that doesn't work, you do tell someone else so that they go with you to go to them again. And if that doesn't work, you go to the elders of the church and you tell them then 
so that they can go with you to that person again. If that doesn't work, then you take it to the whole congregation and you go to that person again. And if that doesn't work, you treat him like a pagan or a tax collector. And we all know that Jesus was very kind and loving to pagans and tax collectors. He just didn't trust them that much. Are you with me? This is so clear. There's no way to miss this teaching in Scripture. This is something that we've got to live by. Not judge each other by, just live by. This is, this is the truth. This is what we've got to embrace. Even when you can't trust someone else, you can be trustworthy. And you can little by little be known that someone who does not gossip or slander. If you have to say something, you have to give an honest answer about someone that's maybe not 100% positive, you can at least say, but please don't judge them by that. That's not who they are. Are you with me? You can, if somebody says, is this person good at this? Actually, no. But let me tell you something they're good at. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that person have anger issues? Yes. But man, I've seen some improvement. Let me tell you how. You, 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 that, that's a completely different thing than trying to get someone else's loyalty or trying to make friends based on let's both team up against how much we don't like this person. And ultimately, all that really teaches the other person is that you're someone who does that to other people. And they won't be able to totally trust you. Let's say it one more time. We're going to move on. Trustworthy people do not gossip or slander. Back to the story of the Yali. As the Yali were doing their thing, God was raising someone else who would eventually reach them. It was an Australian man named Stan Dale. And in his early years, he was, had a terrible, terrible situation. He was um, under a lot of abuse, physical abuse. He had no one in his life that was anything like trustworthy. Nothing in his life, no person in his life, male or female, that was, would give him a, a, an image of what he wanted to look like as, as a man. And somehow, I believe it was providential, he stumbled on Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. And somehow this broken young man said, you know what, this is my code. This is what I'm going to live by. I'd like to read you that poem this morning. It's one of my favorites. It's been ever since I first read it. I believe the first time I read it was actually reading this book. And when, but I like Rudyard Kipling's poetry, so I'm not really sure that, that timeline. But here, here we go. I'm going to read this to you. This is so good. And I want you to know, too, if you're not... Male, this still applies to you, okay? I'm going to read it word for word as is. But these values don't just make you a good man. They make you a good human being. And most of them actually apply to actually being a good Christian, a good follower of Jesus as well. Here's what Rudyard Kipling wrote and what Stan Dale said, uh, chose to live by. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. 
If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and tosh and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, listen, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance, run. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. So he chose to live by this. He chose to say, this is what I'm going to measure my choices against. And as he did this, saying little by little, that this, these kind of choices led him down a road that led him to Christ and eventually to become a missionary and eventually to try to reach out to people that everyone else considered not only hard to reach but impossible to reach. So dangerous that it just wasn't even worth trying. Just don't even go there. He became the kind of person who would try and try relentlessly. Now this idea, this idea of choosing to put yourself in a situation where you could get hurt, that's a kind of trust that God calls us to sometimes. And we don't like that one very much. I'm just going to be straight up. It's hard. Trust is ultimately not a feeling that we have. Man, I just trust that person so much. If there's anybody I think of and I just feel trusting, it's that person. That's not what it is in the Bible. Trust is an action we take. It's a choice that we make. And here's some parodies of it that you see a lot, and they're not the same thing. Uh, hypocrisy is one. Hypocrisy is where you pretend to trust someone, but you don't. But you tell them you do. You out straight up lie. Oh, yeah, I totally trust you. That's not what we're talking about. Then there's fake it till you make it. And that's where you say, oh, yeah, I totally trust that person or I totally trust God. Totally. I don't have any doubts at all. None. None at all. And, and you're acting that way. You're making choices that direction, but you're pretending that you're somewhere you're not. Here's what real trust looks like. You tell the truth at every step of the way. You can say, I, I am terrified to put this check in the offering this morning. But I'm trusting God. I'm going to put the full tithe in and see what happens. I am absolutely terrified. I, I have so many doubts, so many fears about making this next life choice. I don't know what's on the other side. But I believe that it's God telling me to do it. And I'm going to do it. That, that's trust. It's a choice you make, it's an action you make. It's not something you fake, it's not something you lie about, it's something that you're very, very real, but you choose to do something. If not, you don't actually trust. It's a choice that you make. There are two Psalms. There's so many scriptures in this insert. I hope that you go back and read them. I'm hinting at many of them. I'm quoting very few of them, but all of these are there. There's two complete Psalms. I would love to see every one of us read and meditate on later on today and during this week. One is Psalm 37. The other is Psalm 145. Psalm 37 is all about trusting God. It's about trying to 
Put your trust in him and to choose. Make that choice. Psalm 145 is all about how trustworthy God is. How wonderful he is even when everything else falls apart. And ultimately this is what it takes as a believer. This is what it takes. It's no matter else, who else, ourselves or anyone else we can trust at any given moment. We can't always trust God. I'd like you to read this verse with me. This is out of Psalm 910. Let's, let's, let's say this together. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Let's read that together one more time. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Scripturally speaking, our name is who we are. It's our identity. It's our character. And those who know who God is, eventually, no matter how hard it is, how scared they still are, how many doubts are still rolling around in there nonstop, they get it. They know who he is, and so they make a choice to put their trust in him. One more time, we as his followers, even when we can't trust, we can choose to be trustworthy. Second thing we can do is we can be gracious. Even when you can't trust, you can be gracious. Once more, let me clarify this one. This is a word that we often misunderstand. Grace does not mean unconditional acceptance. Grace does not mean that um, we get approval regardless. A lot of times I think that's what we're thinking. Even when we sing wonderful songs like Amazing Grace, I think what we're saying is, man, God just loves me so much, he'll put up with anything. That's not really what it is. Biblically speaking, grace is not that, but it's a choice to be patient, a choice to give chance after chance after chance in a relentless hope that one day things will change. It's God giving us chance after chance, making any sacrifice he has to make, doing anything he possibly can, So, just in hope that, you know what, on the other side of all of this, this person's finally going to get it. On the other side, this person that I cannot trust right now, someday will be trustworthy. This person right now who's totally abusing my grace, on the other side, they're not only going to, to make that sacrifice that I made worth it, they're going to be gracious to others. On the other side of all this, I still have hope for this person. And this, listen, you got to get this because this is the beauty, this is the hope, this is the joy in what I'm sharing with you this morning. Because to not trust someone is not the same thing as to give up on them. As Christians, we can extend grace to people that we can't trust. We can extend kindness and goodness and all those things. In fact, we have to. This is the model God has given us. This is what Paul is talking about when he wrote, the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Just a few verses after that, Paul says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Some translations say, forbid it, almighty God. Peter this is what he's talking about too when he writes, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on your guard and then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So there are moments when we can't trust people. There aren't any moments when we have permission from God to stop loving them, to stop having hope for them, to stop extending grace to them. And there's never a moment, even if you can't put 100% of your trust in them, there's never a moment when you can't, when you can stop being kind. We've got to be kind. Even when you can't trust, you can be kind. And scripturally speaking, kindness is a lot more than what we expect. Kindness to most of us is something like being polite. Just kindness is like not being mean. But in the scripture, it's a lot bigger than that. It calls, the Bible calls it kindness when Ruth left everything she'd ever known and every relationship she'd ever had to be kind to Naomi and go to another whole land and experience a whole new thing and worship a, a whole new God. It calls it kindness when David, who's on the run from Saul and absolutely cannot trust him at that moment. He knows for a fact Paul is trying to kill him, but he spares his life when he had a chance to just kill him easily. So in, that, in that little passage in 2 Samuel, it says that he was kind to Saul. And this is what we're called to do as believers. It, even in those moments when we realize I can't bet my life and the, I can't bail, bet the welfare of my family, my church, my closest relationships. I can't bet that on this person. But I, I still will be trustworthy myself and I will show them grace and I will show them biblical kindness. That's what we're still required to do in those situations. Another story we've gone back to over and over this summer is the story of Joseph. In Genesis 42 is when he finally gets the opportunity to either get revenge or something else on his brothers. They come, they're asking for food, they're starving, they're, they have no idea it's Joseph they're talking to. And I love what he does here. Because it kind of messes with them a little bit. You see some brother stuff going on. There's some funniness in there, and there, as well as some pretty wise things he did to kind of test them and see if they're going to be trustworthy again. But he doesn't instantly trust them. Here's what he does instantly. He extends grace, and he extends kindness. And he gives them another chance. He doesn't just write them off. He doesn't say, you betrayed me back in the day. I will never trust you again. He goes, you betrayed me back in the day. I wonder if you've changed. I wonder if things are different now. I hope so. Let's see if they are. Another story we keep coming back to is Desmond Doss. I, I love that. I won't go through his story again because we've got to wrap up this morning. But again, Desmond, in his, he did not trust his fellow officers. He knew that they all wanted him out of the military. They did not trust him yet. But once they saw who he really is, once they got it, once he rescued so many of the same ones who had, uh, who had hated him and tried to get him out and rejected him and punished him and hurt him in many, many ways, once they finally saw who he was, when they saw that he was relentlessly trustworthy and gracious and kind, everything changed. But he was wise enough along the way to not put too much trust in the people around him, because he really did knew be know better. And this is the final thing. This is probably the hardest of all this, honestly, because as human beings, it's so hard. This is where we have to rely on God's Holy Spirit in us and our trust in him that he knows what's best.
Because this is the fourth thing that we have to do to tell the story when we can't trust. And that is to be wise. To pray and seek and then do what we believe with all our heart is the best possible choice in that moment. And sometimes, honestly, that's going to mean putting ourselves in danger. Sometimes that's going to mean putting trust in somebody we don't totally trust. We're not faking it. We're not lying about it. But we go, this is what needs to happen. Because I believe on the other side of this, there's hope for that person. Or this is what needs to happen because I just believe this is what God is telling me to do. Sometimes we have to be wise. But notice Jesus' own example in John 2, 23 to 25. A lot of people at the beginning of Jesus' ministry were starting to follow him. And, and Jesus appreciated that. But listen, it says, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. So it can't be wrong to not trust sometimes because we see Jesus doing this. And yet, look at Jesus' example. The people that he, quote-unquote, did not trust. He was healing them. He was feeding them. He was teaching them the truth. He eventually gave his life for them and rose from the dead to save them from their brokenness. He was relentless in his grace, in his kindness, in his trustworthiness. He extended, he was also wise, but he used that wisdom to make every choice being the best possible choice under the circumstances. Never a knee-jerk reaction. Never a judgment. Him realizing he couldn't trust someone was never about writing them off. It was just knowing what the situation was like at that moment. And this is, I hope you're getting this. I hope this is clear. I am not telling you to be judgmental. I'm not telling you to write people off. I'm not telling you that you should go, I can trust this person, this person, this person. That's not where we're going here. I'm saying put all of your trust in God. Be wise about that as you go. And never stop trying to trust, trying to be gracious, trying to be kind with God's help. It's just Paul's strategy too. And in 2 Timothy 2, he says, Timothy, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by reliable witnesses. So they're trustworthy. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. We're the trustworthy people, or at least we're aspiring to be, that God has put us in charge of spreading his kingdom now. I don't want to give away the whole end of the story. I'd love for you to read the book. It's great. But let me tell you that Standale, his first meeting with the Yalis, they shot him with five arrows. And when they went down to kill him, or finish him off and eat him, he had somehow got away. He was just that tough. Pulled out all the arrows, ran for it, healed up, went back again. This was the ongoing story they did over and over. Eventually, he and another guy named Phil Masters ended up giving their lives up in their attempts to reach the Yali. But I can tell you that that's Phil Masters right there. But I can tell you this much of this story. The Yali, almost the entire people, the entire people group came to Christ because of the example. Because they saw, even in death, they saw a kind of strength a kind of un, unrelenting grace and kindness. Even though they stand and feel new, they were probably going to die. They chose to still extend 
grace, and kindness. They chose to make the wise choice to obey what God had told them to do instead of do the thing that seemed safe. They chose to be trustworthy, even in a situation where they couldn't trust, and an entire people group were saved because of it. And this is the hope. This is the dream. This is not us feeling better than other people or pretending that we are. This is just living real life day to day and using even the painful realities of life to push us closer to God and to become more like him. So this morning, as the band comes and as we start to sing another song where we say, Jesus, you're awesome, and here's what I'm going to do to commit to you. Here's, here, I want you to make it super practical. I want you to say, this week, I will do this. Find something. I'm going to be wise this way. I guarantee you, everyone in this room, in one way or another, there's a situation where you need to not just make a knee-jerk reaction. You need to say, what's the best possible thing? What does God actually want in this situation? And you need to do that. You need to say, this week, I'm going to be kind by... And I'm not just talking about being polite. I'm talking about relentless life-shaking kind of kindness that the Bible talks about. To someone you trust or someone you don't, but that doesn't matter. You're responsible to be the kind person. Same thing with gracious. How will you extend grace this week? How will you be trustworthy no matter what anybody else does? Because your job and my job is to become more and more like Jesus. He is trustworthy. As we stand and sing, would you make that commitment this morning? If you need to give your life to him, do it. If you need to join the church, if you've got any other decision you want to make, please come forward. But let's all make that choice just now.